Good afternoon. My guest today is Rosemary Mills, a pen contractor who's worked on a number of transformation project management roles within the financial services sector. Rosie's experience covers agile and waterfall environments, and she's without a doubt a very strong people person, with influencing and interpersonal skills being a special power. She's also an absolute pleasure to work with and has a calming, capable style, which our clients really value. Rosie is passionate about the power of networking, and perhaps due to her theatre background, she's a bit of an expert at it. In this podcast, you'll hear about what led Rosie to her project management career and what attracts her to contracting. She's also going to talk about what makes her accept one contract over another and why it's really not all about rates. Rosie, first of all, welcome and thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Claire, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. Very generous. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) Well, perhaps we can start with a little bit about you. You proactively reached out to one of Penn's clients three years ago as you wanted to move into project management. And this client then introduced you to Penn. And I remember when I met you, how impressed I was with your drive and determination. And I think it's fair to say that your career has really taken off over the past few years. And you've gone and had a baby in the midst of it. Would you like to tell us a little bit about your career to date? (laughs) Yeah, just uh, keeping it simple. (laughs) Yeah, like you said, I started out in theatre. I spent a few years auditioning, creating. And then alongside this, I was very stereotypical managing five jobs at a time. I worked with young people and I was temping a lot um, in between different acting roles. I think eventually I found that I was losing my joy in the work in the arts and the motivation behind it. So eventually, probably inevitably, the temp role that was supporting my acting career became the main job in my life. So I started thinking more seriously about stepping out of the arts world and into business. And more specifically, I had a really strong interest in in project management and change management and people. But before I made that transition, I really had to understand project management from start to finish. You know, how does a business structure a project? So I started building a network. I reached out to friends and family who I knew had careers in project or change management. And then initially it was for advice and to hear stories about the careers, but it all sort of started happening pretty rapidly after that. I stopped temping. Um, I did Prince 2 qualification and then I went straight into a PMO role and it was a real baptism of fire. <laughs> the role ended, yeah, Must it just, have been tough, I bet. Yeah, really tough. And I think because I'd done a week of Prince 2 and then straight into managing nine work streams and it was a European wide project. So yeah, definitely it was a perfect learning opportunity. And then of course, I can't not say about my slight career change into motherhood. <laughs> And there's lots of worries that come with that of how do I keep the momentum going and come back into this journey that I started. Um, But at the end of my maternity, I was lucky enough to hit the ground running again. And I just got my next contracting role and I've continued to progress with my overall goals and and continuous improvement. So now it's just keeping the momentum going. (laughs) And I've got a second baby on the way. (laughs) A little bombshell for you. Thank you. So yeah, I suppose it's just, it's more important now for me to continue learning and, and just make sure I keep using my network to make sure I'm on people's radars. Of course, absolutely. Well, it does sound like you've definitely found your niche. What would you say that you specifically value about being a contractor? Definitely the freedom to choose my own path and actually the, the flexibility around family life as well. Being a contractor brings out more confidence to recognize the asset that I am. 
And there are times where you can have a rational conversation with the client and, and know when to push back occasionally. You can prioritize family and your well-being and still be able to get the job done. And I think another positive is avoiding office politics. I, <laughs> I can come in as an outsider and just do the work. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really important point as well, isn't it? Just to be able to avoid the kind of the bitching you sometimes get in companies about um, about people and processes. So I can t- completely see the value of that. So that all does make sense, Rosie. But surely, as a contractor, it's really all about the day rate. <laughs> okay, so day yes, day rate is important, and and especially when it's like I said before, you you know it's 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 a positive and to know that you're an asset and to know what you're worth and understand that. But for me personally, my prime motivation is wanting continuous improvement. I want each role to challenge and push me further and just keep pushing the boundaries for what I thought I was capable of. Yes, that all makes perfect sense. So talk me through your thought process then when you're thinking about a new role. What goes through your mind and what makes you more inclined to take a role than not? So I start by asking myself, a few questions. What direction am I heading in? What am I aiming for? Uh, and what, what's the bigger picture? So there are roles that I know I can do, but will they continue to progress me and my goals? It's always the opportunity, not just the role, but meeting people too. Found that the more people that I got to meet across businesses or functions, it was all opportunities to learn about how their role worked, how it fit into a wider organization, That brings me quite neatly onto my next question was that one thing that really struck me when I met you is that you're clearly a very successful networker. And so I was going to ask you, what would be your advice to someone who's perhaps more of an introvert? So someone who it doesn't come naturally to the networking, the the talking to people, what would you what would you advise them? Absolutely. It's it's so nerve wracking. <laughs> and like I when I first set out to build a network, I found it so hard. I just and I come across as quite outgoing and confident, but I really struggled because essentially I decided in my head that building a network was asking for help. And I really struggled with that concept. I was so worried that at the start of a new career change, I would just come across as this desperate and ignorant person. And you can't help thinking, why would anyone want to help me? And like, I, I can't offer them anything. But yeah, I, I just, I decided to change the angle. So it wasn't about how can you help me, but instead, you are someone that I respect. Uh, You're working in an industry or job that I'm interested in. Can you tell me your story? And it was so interesting because just by simply reframing the question, I could build this really engaging, motivating and supportive group of mentors who've actually become invaluable to me. And actually, that's how I made the connection with Penn, (laughs) just talking to people about what I want to do next and then being generous in offering connections like have a meeting with Claire. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's um, people like to help people, don't they? And I think if we see an opportunity to help someone, we do naturally, most of us, we do like to to help them if we can. And I think the point you've made about having mentors and in some ways, I I think you mean getting a level of emotional support from your network is actually a very good one. Mentors do tend to be more senior, don't they? And more experienced. And I suppose you could argue that one perceived disadvantage of being a contractor is the lack of investment in your career. Permanent employees tend to be offered, you know, yearly training, development opportunities, which wouldn't necessarily be open to contractors. What would be your view on this? Yeah, that's, that's actually definitely, that's definitely something that really concerned me about contracting. And it's one of the real risks 
there's there's no appraisals, there's no 360 peer feedback reviews. Contracting can be brutal. And basically, if you're not delivering, your feedback is the end of your contract. <laughs> mm, yes. um, and you have to, you have to, I found that I just had to step up and provide reflection for myself. So it meant taking responsibility for self-reflection, for learning in the roles, finding mentors within the workplace, and just continuing to build my network and investing in my own training and development. So like I said earlier, I did Prince 2 when I decided to do the career change. And as I've learned and understood more about projects from being part of them, I'm, I'm now currently doing APMG, Change Management Foundation and Practitioner Qualification. So always thinking about that end vision or end goal. <laughs> and in reality, you're learning every day if you're open to it. I think in a more structured way, I will attend courses and look at future qualifications if I think they're relevant and they're going to keep progressing my knowledge and my career. Yeah, very good. It sounds like continuous improvement is really important to you, which is really good to hear, you know, from a contractor's perspective. So moving on to a slightly different topic, it's generally accepted that, I guess, particularly in financial services organisations, companies do expect their pound of flesh from contractors. And so the hours can be quite long and demanding. I know we've touched on this earlier, but how do you make the demands of contracting work with the demands of family life? This is always a tough one, isn't it? I think for me, there's sort of three main points. So understanding priorities, balance. And finally, knowing when it's appropriate to push back. Yes, no, that's true. Can you give us an example, perhaps, of when you have felt that it was appropriate to push back? You know, it's really funny. I've been really lucky so far in my contracting career. I've not been put in that position. But it's really interesting you say that because I was on LinkedIn earlier and someone posted about being bowled over by an interview question about, you know, it's five o'clock, you've got plans for dinner with your family tonight but work needs to be done and you need to stay late what well, you know what's your response to your boss and there's so many comments of people saying oh you know I just cancel with my family but I'd say give me a half day off another day and and I did my immediate reaction is just to say you know I will spend half an hour now absolutely let's figure out what the issue is assess it and and come up with a plan so that we can all come in fresh tomorrow morning and, you know, start attacking and, and start going with the solution. I mean, unless it was life or death, <laughs> <laughs> I think you're in a much better place to just come in fresh in the morning with a, a plan to, to go with. But, you know, not everyone has the confidence to do that. No, you're right. I think more people should, you know, and then it won't become so acceptable perhaps to be working till eight or nine at night. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Mm. I mean, in an ideal world, I think overtime shouldn't really be necessary. I mean, I'm going to sound so naive to so many people, but <laughs> it really comes down to setup, you know, structure, governance, communication, effective team management and leadership. I think if you are having a problem with people continuously working overtime, I'd start talking to the company about assessing how how they they're set they're set up. Have they got the right people involved? You know, have they set realistic goals and milestones? There must be something in the underlying foundations that's causing problems. But um, <laughs> of course, I do understand that you can have all of that in place, and then <laughs> a tornado can still come through. A, a pandemic can happen. Now. Yes. Yes. So yeah, I, I think I suppose I should answer your question in terms of family life specifically because I think there are times where you, realistically you are going to have to and and for me that comes down to communication at home so 
I sort of, it's going to sound really nerdy, but I sort of see my own home life as a team. <laughs> so yeah, like yeah. we work best when we communicate clearly with each other. So I suppose it's, for me, it's just like, as soon as I'm aware there's going to be a problem, I immediately notify. Yeah. <laughs> it makes my husband sound like a colleague, but you know what I mean? Like I'll I do. just let each other know, you know, I'm working late. We need to sort out our son. Let's work together. And, and it's not like we, we don't get it right all the time. And I think that's just something that we'll just continue learning as new parents. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. You are. Now, we couldn't do an interview on contracting without mentioning the spectre that is IR35, set to be a big issue potentially for personal service company contractors in April this year. Have these changes made you reconsider your approach to contracting? Hmm. Uh, yeah, so it's interesting because my husband and I talk about this a lot. We have our own limited company, so it is going to affect both of us. And I think we change our minds quite a bit. But I I think in my particular line of work, there won't be too much impact to my approach to contracting. Of course, depending on the skill set required in the industries I'm working in, there should always be a need for flexible resources in financial services. I mean, a majority of the roles I go forward for are going to be built around the need for an implementation or change or a review. And it's going to be about coming in, doing a change, embedding it, and then leaving them. <laughs> yes, yes. But I, I suppose uh, the other side of that is that I have noticed some companies are starting to build in-house functions for my kind of role, which may change my approach in the next year or two, depending on whether that's successful, how much money they decide to invest in that department. And I think it then comes down to what opportunities are available. If it is a fixed term, then then I'd be considering it if it was going to continue to support my goals and continued improvement. Sure. No, absolutely. I think it's a bit of an unknown, isn't it, This these IR35 changes, because we're not quite sure how it's going to affect things. But I am in agreement with you. I can't see financial services companies stopping needing flexible resource. So I'd be surprised if um, if things change significantly, certainly after things have settled down, you know, maybe April, May time. But uh, I guess we shall see. Yeah. So what do you see as the hot areas for contractors in 2021? What kind of projects do you think you'll be working on? <laughs> well, uh, apart from my go live date in July for project baby number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, the pandemic has changed so much. It's almost like it's instigated and ignited this fire for change that probably needed to happen 20 years ago for some companies. But yeah, a lot of companies are now having to jump into survival mode. And, and you know, that means on a larger scale, mergers and acquisitions, which of course bring about a whole load more work with them. Uh, and a, on a smaller scale, really assessing internal operations, which could mean undertaking major structural changes, you know, things like adjusting budgeting, reduced operations. Uh, for a lot of industries, digital transformation has become a necessity driven by the requirement for remote working. You know, we're seeing that bosses that wanted bums on seats previously and were terrified of working from home are now seeing things getting delivered with everyone working not in the office. So it is possible. So, but I mean, that then could lead to offices closing, um, cost reduction further. Um, but you're going to look at improving efficiency of business operating models. And, and that's really interesting then because it becomes a bit of a domino effect. You start then analyzing and assessing efficiency and loads of stuff start coming to the surface, like operational resilience, compliance, vendor management. It's all potentially going to need improving. 
So, yeah, there's <laughs> going to be a variety of opportunities to support companies. And this is a really volatile and unpredictable environment. So I think a lot of them may end up actually centering around cultural change as well. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's going to be quite an interesting next few months. But yeah, certainly what we've seen in the market is exactly as you've described. I think um, this requirement for remote working will give rise to quite a few cost-cutting exercises and putting in you know, better policies and procedures to make sure that... Um, that companies are getting the best out of their people, I guess. Yeah. And, and how do you have culture when there's no office? I find no, that fascinating. Because yeah, like, yeah, that's so important. You know, like, yeah. I don't know, Google no. or Facebook, like they live off of this culture that they've created for their employees. It's going to be really interesting. It will. It definitely will. Brilliant. Well, to finish then, Rosie, I have to ask you, what are the best and worst experiences that you've had as a contractor? And probably best not to name the organisations <laughs> in your answer, if that's okay. Ooh. Oh, that's a tough one. Do you know what? I think I'm going to cheat. <laughs> I'm going okay. to combine the bad with the good. So I was part of a project that in the first few months just fell apart and I ended up being the only original team member left after a few months. It was a really volatile, vulnerable time where I just spent every single day going in terrified that I was going to get fired. No. And I I think, you know, if anything, I realized that I was stronger than I ever thought because of being thrown into that situation. You know, a new team was brought in and they had a stronger approach to risk management, a better framework, a better way of communicating to the business and, and just structure that they could apply and, and deliver. And I had to really step up and find my role. And, and that was really interesting because it was just this new team and you had to figure out well, where, where do I fit in this? And the positive side of this was actually realizing that I became recognized for my calm and pragmatic approach. My mindset was recognized by the business and ended up ended up meaning I was wanted in meetings because <laughs> I was just seen as a comfort and that my voice mattered and my knowledge and they valued what I could bring to the room. And I think it was such a wake up call that I needed. I just needed to have more belief in myself. And it was a real turning point in my journey in a career change as a contractor. It's interesting, isn't it? Sometimes I think those periods of time when you're, you know, they're awful being in them. But when you get through the other side, you do look back and you you kind of reflect on what you've learned and how it's improved your strength and your resilience and all those other good things. So uh, it must have been an interesting time for you. But um, definitely, as you say, defining. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Rosie. It's been absolutely lovely speaking to you. Really insightful. Thank you, Claire. And I very much look forward to working together in the future. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Thank you. Excellent. Bye. Bye.